All right, everybody. It is Wednesday night, June 29th, 2022. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I, as always, am your host, DJ. Again, this is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast on the ChairShot Radio Network. We can be found on thechairshot.com, as well as Google, Spotify. Look us up. Like us if you like us. Share us if you like it. I, again, am your host, DJ. I'm going to introduce the rest of the gang. Those of you that know us, you know Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Jason, welcome, sir. Thank you, my friends. Always a pleasure to be here. And from the Rob the Genius podcast, the Minister of Truth. Rob, how are you tonight, sir? Good to be back. Yeah, awesome. We got a big, man, we got a lot to talk about this week. Um, We've been putting some of this off because we've been kind of wanting to see how things unfold, see how things shape up. Going to be talking the... Big two stories of the last month or so have been the, the Sasha and Naomi situation and then the stuff going on with Vince McMahon. And we're not going to go too far down the rabbit hole as to exactly what's going on in those particular instances. We want to kind of maybe fantasy book a little bit and talk about how we think these things are going to play out and maybe talk about what WWE as a, a product and creatively looks like going forward. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit of AEW Forbidden Door tonight. I know Jason watched the pay-per-view. He's got a few thoughts that he wants to share on that. And then at the end of the whole thing, I think we're going to wrap it up with uh, Money in the Bank. We've got Money in the Bank this Saturday night. And uh, we're going to give you our predictions on at least the two Money in the Bank ladder matches. And then just see how it goes. So let's get this thing started tonight. If you've been following wrestling news for any length of time, and particularly in the last, say, four to six weeks, WWE has been busy. Um, a lot of that busy has not been very good. It's been very, very bad PR. Um, a lot of, a lot of seemingly messy things that you know WWE's had to kind of stand up in the face of. The first of which being the situation with uh, Sasha and Naomi. If you've been living under a rock, those two had a creative dispute with the company and walked out on a Monday Night Raw episode here. What about six or eight weeks ago, something like that? Now I was May. Was it May? 16th or something like that okay so yeah we're going on about six weeks still no resolution there uh the last i read is that um sasha's lawyers were negotiating her release absolutely mum from the naomi camp um she's posted some things on social media spending time with family having a good time just enjoying life um there's a lot of speculation there's a lot of um people dropping what they consider to be news. And we're finding out pretty quickly that a lot of that news <laughs> is uh, incorrect. Um, I know Jason wanted to say a few words on on some of that. We're not going to name names. We're not going to get too specific. But just kind of a, a reason why we as a collective threesome tend to not follow the dirt sheets very, the dirt sheets very much. Well, the, the person in question decided to defend their – there, uh, they reported that Sasha had been released. It was a done deal. Sasha's been released, um, and they on were, June tenth, exactly. June tenth, released, released on June tenth, and it came from Erica Schreiber, VP of Business and Legal Affairs for Talent Relations. And then this guy goes on to be like, "Oh, you know, I, I'm trying to defend, trying to defend burning a source. They're not telling me who. It's an idiotic. But anyway, so what? What should I do? Okay, this lady is VP of Talent Relations. What is it? VP of Business and Legal Affairs for Talent Relations. First of all, <laughs> that, department, that department is 100% made up. Uh, second of all, 
Okay, so this is a pretty big deal. This person in 2022 would have some sort of digital footprint, right? So let's throw a name in the Google machine. Throw a name in the Google machine comes up with a lot of other people. Okay, fine. There's probably a lot of other Erica Schreiber's or whatever her name is out here. Um, so let's do Erica Schreiber WWE. What comes up? Erica Schreiber. Uh, there is a Erica Schreiber who is on um, LinkedIn. And she's a looks like a lovely woman who specializes in talent relations. However, nothing on her resume, which is current, by the way, has has to do with WWE. So it was uh, no, it was, I'm sorry, it was recruiting. It was not talent relations. Recruiting. So I, with talent relations and recruiting, there can be some overlap. So maybe, maybe, but no, this lady does not work at WWE. And then the next uh, thing was an Instagram that is locked has about 28 followers and hasn't been active at all uh it looks like and then finally the rest of the hits on the google machine were articles from fightful and wrestle inc and all you other bobos out there who are just citing this that's all it is so, so they regurgitated this guy's story as the truth so somehow this guy came up with the woman who pulled the trigger on the Sasha Banks firing, one of the biggest stars WWE has. This woman pulled the trigger on it, and apparently she has no digital footprint in the year 2022. <laughs> the best part of this whole thing is that his follow-up tweet, he, he deleted that tweet when somebody called him out on this, this girl, but, but you're wrong is more or less what they told him, and they gave yeah. him evidence as to why. He deleted the original tweet and then leads in with, there was some confusion. <laughs> now, in 2022, there was some confusion has replaced plans change, pal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just sure has. Unfreaking real. Um, unreal. Just pathetic. So, and this, this is why we preach on this show don't listen to the rag sheets. Don't listen to the dirt sheets. Stay. Don't engage with these guys on that level. If you really want to know what's going on in the world of professional wrestling, whether it's WWE, AEW, Impact, New Japan, if you want to know what's going on, Rob, what's the catchphrase? Just watch the show. Thank you, sir. Just watch the show. Now, I will say we, we do give credit where credit is due. And guys at the very, very, obviously Satin's co-opted, which is fine. I mean, he does drop nuggets once in a while. And obviously you've got to believe his nuggets are real because, you know, the guy took a check from one of their associates. Anyway, uh, and then, you know, as much as he's a dork and an idiot and, you know, desperately needs a, a hobby, Sean Ross Sapp would not put something out there like this unless he had it cold. Right. So there are certain people for certain things that you can you can pay attention to. But really just stop there. Like if you once you go into the the weeds of these these people with thousands of followers who do, no and I mean thousands, like not even 10,000 or this that or the other. It's guys, they they know just as much as Rob does or as DJ does or as I do. They just know, watch shit. the show. Well, no, you know why we know we know a ton. Actually, we probably know it as much as everyone else because we watch 
the show and then right. we use our brains and our experience to go okay well based on what i'm seeing this is what's probably happening that's it that's all we can do um yeah if sean rossap drops a nugget tomorrow that sasha banks or naomi or friggin roman reigns get, got released yeah he that one's probably right so right. sean doesn't stick his neck out for stuff like that but when you guys start getting into, and this is obviously a much bigger thing, but please do not pay attention to anyone's claims of it was the plan for this person to win the championship until, you know, noon, and then they decided to do that. Only believe those stories when they come from the talent themselves, guys. But right. we go way too far down this rabbit hole where conjecture becomes news in about two seconds, and uh, as terrible as a lot of fandoms I'm in, no one gets as terrible as a lot of fandoms I'm in are. No one gets worked by their respective sheets, not quite like wrestling fans. And we need to stop. Right. Basically, for me, and then Rob, I'll let you take over for a minute. Um, until WWE or Sasha or Naomi put out an official statement, this is news with a Z. Pretty much. Um, and look, look, it, it's going to get resolved one way or the other for both of them. And so basically, and according, again, according to the reports, uh, Naomi was negotiating to resign when this happened. And, but Sasha still had some time left on her contract. So Sasha having lawyers involved could very well be a thing. But. Or it couldn't. You, or it could, or or it could not, or it might not be exactly. Um, and here's what's going to happen, right? Okay, they're either both going to show back up on WWE television one day, or they're not. <laughs> and I mean, and, guys, and, um, honestly, uh, this could have been resolved already, and we just don't know. Like, exactly. and I'm just, I'm just literally throwing out a scenario. It could be Vince. Sasha, Naomi, all could have had their meetings, and and he, you could have looked. Let's just pick her. He looked Naomi in the eye and said, "You're waiting out your contract, and and I'll and I'll probably never see you again. Have a good have a good life. You can sign wherever you want in a year and a half or whatever your contract's up." And then he looked at Sasha and said, "Hey, you, we're bringing you back at the Royal Rumble, but we're gonna you work this. I'm gonna pay you this, this, and this, and we're gonna work this and stay radio silent until the Rumble." Or he could have fired both of them. I mean, actually, no. That's the only scenario we know is not true. Because if he fired them, they would have said something. Most yep. likely. But right. yeah. But I mean, basically, you're talking about a situation here where they, where for them to have said nothing, for Sasha to have said nothing and had been released, shoot, they had to sound like an NDA or something. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, yeah that, sorry. So that is the one case scenario where you oh. are going to hear something is if one of them gets released. Um, but our boss, Greg DeMarco, said um, a while back that if Sasha is to get released, she's probably going to have like the, the no compete from hell. Oh, yeah. Because we know good and damn well they do not want her. They, they do not want Mercedes Banks is all elite in September or whatever. Okay. Nope. Um, she is one person they absolutely do, especially, especially. With it being on the terms that it's on right now, right? If it if it was a Daniel Bryant kind of thing where her contract was up and she said, "Hey, want to try some new things?" You know, that'd be different. But you know, um, 
Then, yeah, I mean, with things going the way they are, they do not want her showing. They do not want Mercedes Banks is all elite. They don't want her showing up in September or October, firing off the, you know, the Vince didn't love me promo because some people will actually believe it. Okay, um, right, exactly. And, and that's they, the thing that gets me, and, and that's yeah. the scenario I don't want as much as I love Sasha Banks because I'm I, like, yeah. hell no, no, don't want that, and they don't want that. And so here's the thing. Either they're going to either they're going to we're, we're taking too long with this anyway, but they're going to get it resolved and they'll be probably be back on TV after SummerSlam, okay? Or they're not going to get it resolved, and you may never see Naomi on a wrestling show again because, I, I, yeah, I don't I, I don't know her, but she doesn't strike me as I don't I don't think she's going to go over to the root beer company if things are finished in WWE. Um, Especially for her, that would be a great opportunity to try out a million different fields that she'd probably excel at. Right. Um, and then with Sasha, if, if it doesn't get resolved with Sasha and she does get released, you probably, you will not see her on a televised wrestling show until sometime next year. Yep. They will, they will lock that contract down. They and will. You thought the, you thought the 90 days were bad guys. Oh no, they will, they will wait, make her wait, wait out her contract. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that would so. be my only option. I'd be like, no, absolutely not. Your congratulations. I'll pay you your downside. You just bought yourself a year and a half vacation on my dime. Enjoy it. Right. And that that's what it is. So that's how it's going to go, folks. Um, you are not going to get some random notice from, you know, Jay Peterman right? <laughs> that Sasha Banks got released or, you know, or, or, or something, right? I mean, that's not going to happen. All right. No. All right, so let's move on from that just a little bit. We're gonna we are gonna stick along the uh, the the topic of the dirt sheets, really not knowing what the hell's going on. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit of WWE and more specifically the the Vince McMahon situation and a lot of the shakeups that have happened in WWE in the last two to three weeks. Uh, and I'm gonna go over just kind of a brief timeline of events here. And I want to thank Rob for doing the legwork on this. I was gonna do it, and then I just got just chin deep with stuff at work. So we started off, obviously, with the Sasha and Naomi, you know, walkout. That, that's where that was hit number one. Then there were some allegations that came out about, about Vince McMahon. We are not going to go down that road because right now everything is just allegations and it is an investigation. And apparently it's an investigation that it was going on for at least two months before the dirt sheets ever got wind of it. So we're not going to speculate. We're not going to. And, and hold on. And let's be clear. They never got wind of it no it was released by it's, um wa- uh, the wall street, uh no uh washington no wall street journal wall street yeah. journal it was wall street yeah. journal that released that so it wasn't even the dirt sheets that got a hold of this they picked it up after a, a yeah. credible all with all of their articles let us stress this and be clear are citing the wall street journal as their source they did not have this at all guys for a year and a half the chairman of the board was being investigated by his board and they didn't know please consider this the next time you say oh but this guy knows what he's talking about okay so it was going on even longer than i was told because i was what i read was like two months i didn't realize this has been a year and a half investigation so i was absolutely tonight years old when i I found out that little bit of little nugget of information thank you jason so, again, the, the allegations first came up. Before that, though, 
right after the Sasha Naomi thing, Stephanie put out a tweet that she was stepping back from her role at, in WWE to spend more time with her family. And it was a little suspicious at the time because the thing with Sasha and Naomi had just happened. However, her husband has had some very public health problems. And, you know, so it makes sense that, okay, hey, maybe maybe you're putting different things into perspective. And sometimes life and family, and I, I've, like I've told you guys about this podcast, life and family is always first. You know, everything else is second. So we didn't think too much of it, although the timing was suspicious. After that, the first allegations, we became known with Vince McMahon. Soon after that... Um, Johnny Ace was put on a uh, administrative leave. Johnny Ace's name was named in the first set of allegations against Vince. Again, we're not going down that road. Then after that, right after that, like almost immediately, it's announced that Stephanie is stepping into Vince McMahon's role as the uh, the CEO of the company. And Vince is taking a step back from the CEO role. He's going to still be head of creative, but he stepped out and Stephanie's stepped in and you know she's now in control of the company from that respect and then from there what last week was it late last week there was another allegation against vince that again has had kind of been floating around for decades and it's just kind of reached itself back around so when we look at the timeline of events with wwe and what i want to concentrate on here tonight is not necessarily the allegations not necessarily the vince specific stuff but if this is, we are finally reaching a point where, for whatever reason, this vocal minority on the internet has been just salivating for, for the better part of four decades, for someone to find a way to get Vince McMahon the hell out of the driver's seat of WWE, it looks like we very well could be on the verge of that happening. When you look at everything that's going on, um, it's possible. He's already at least temporarily stepped out of the CEO role. And what I want to concentrate on more is if, you know, in light of the newest allegations and everything going on, if the board and, you know, everyone kind of looks at Vince and he finally just takes a step back and says, maybe I just need to step away completely until this either becomes a thing or it blows over. If Vince is done, let's 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 fantasy book here. And, and Rob, I'll let you hit off here. I'll let you lead off. Um, if Vince is done creatively, now I, I don't mean like from the business standpoint because I think the business model is set in stone for at least the te next ten years. Right. When I look at what Nick Khan has done, what I look at what Stephanie has done in terms of the uh, the IP and the the brand recognition and everything that and all the business deals they've worked out. Not that I mean creatively because this at the end of the day, is really this little pocket of people. That is their complaint with WWE is its creative direction. Where do you think, do you think they may, if Vince steps away from creative, do you think they make any changes creatively? Um, I don't think they're going to make, I don't think they would make the changes that the people on the internet would want them to make, which is that... <clears throat> You know, no more Roman Reigns and, uh, you know, no more of the people that, you know, that, that they are tired of or that, you know, that they say are terrible and all of that. Um, I those don't think, folks, those folks need to buckle up. <laughs> yeah. So I don't um, what's I think what will happen is. Well, we'll, we'll Triple H's theme song says it's all about the game and how you play it. And yeah. 
the people who have figured out how to play the game are going to be, they're going to have a bit of an advantage. And because well, because they just are. And, um, and I mean, a lot of it depends on who ends up being in charge of creative. Um, I would think any situation where events is completely out, then I think Stephanie marches right to Bruce Pritchard and says, you're gone, buddy. Um, because they are known enemies. <laughs> so, uh, you know. <clears throat> and Pritchard just, and apparently Dunn. Apparently she doesn't get along real well with Kevin Dunn either. Yeah, so if if if, it's a, if, it, if, the, if, if Vince ends up out and she ends up in control, um, there's a real good possibility that those two guys will be gone with Vince. Um, so it depends on who comes in. As, it depends on who takes over that spot because... I mean, it's got to be somebody who, because you, you can't, it's not, you, you, it's more than just running a, you know, competently run, competently booked wrestling show. There's like all the extra wackiness and whatnot that makes the difference between watching them and watching somebody else. Um, and, <clears throat> Well, we'll find out who the really savvy players are because those are the people who are going to figure out real quick, okay, who's who's the new boss? What do I got to do? Um, how can, you know, and it's like when a new boss comes in anywhere, right? There are people there who know how to play and they know, you know, and they know how to get a read on the new boss. They know how to get positioned with the new boss. And they know, you know, and and all of that, those people will have an advantage on the roster. Um, the ones who don't, uh, the people, you know, those, you know, the the hey, I just come here and do what they tell me to do. Those folks are going to be screwed, I think, because you know you're going to have a bit of a vacuum, and it's going to get populated by the people who know how to work it, and. Whoever, and we'll find out who those people are. And because right now we don't know. I mean, we really don't. We, like we we don't know. Like we don't know who knows how to work Vince versus who just knows how to work. You know, the workplace. Um, and we're gonna find out. And the you know the people who have been, you know, kind of having Vince hold their hand and kind of work with him and try to you know and get him to kind of lead them on the way um those people might have a bit of a problem and and but the people who know what they're doing and who and you know who have been in this business who who understand how it works uh understand how to play the angles um they're going to have an advantage creatively because those people are probably going to have ideas they're going to have stuff that vince wouldn't let them do and and it's not all going to be stupid stuff. Some people do have, some people actually do have ideas that Vince wouldn't let them do. They're not bad ideas. And those people will, they will have those. They will be ready. Um, they will be ready to, you know, contribute in other ways um, and all that kind of thing. So those are the people who will succeed. And 
we don't know who those people are um because there are some folks who a lot of y'all out there assume get their way because Vince loves them so much or and all of that and and that's I'm, that's definitely part of it sure but there are people who also just they know how to they know how to negotiate and how to deal with this stuff um it probably won't be a good time to, if you're one of those people that's like a mark for the business that probably won't be a good time for you because you're going to you're going to have to you know like you're going to have to get savvy real quick um and so some people will thrive in this that new environment some people won't um as far as what it's going to look like creatively i don't you know it's kind of hard to tell cuz it depends it depends on who ends up running it um there are things like if Cody was 10 years older, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> you know, he'd probably be great at it, but he said himself, he, you know, he was too young to be doing that stuff. Um, you know, Jeff Jarrett with like an actual budget and, you know, and not much of buffoonery around him in the, in the, in the boardroom could possibly be really good at it. Um, Hunter, you know, if, you know, I'm sure look, he would understand that, okay, this is not developmental. We're not going to do NXT black and gold here. We got to do WWE. I think he understands how that works enough that I think he would probably be fine. Um, I would say there, there, there are people there now. There are enough kind of veteran people around now that they could at least keep, keep the train running. Um, the real question would be maybe in 10, 15 years, um, because you got to groom people and you gotta, you gotta get people who are, you know, who can learn the old ways that have always been successful of booking a wrestling company. You got to get some of those, you got to teach the next generation of those people. Um, so that you don't end up with, you know, 10 years from now having, you know, you know, indie riffic wrestling shows that don't stay on the air much longer. <laughs> okay. <Right. laughs> and so you need, um, but I think it's just, you know, if you think it's political now, it's going to get double political because, and you know, people are going to look, people are going to look at that. They are going to, the people who are ready to deal with that are going to seize the moment and they're going to get their way. Yeah. If you thought it was shark infested beforehand, if, if Vince, because Vince was like the controlling hand, and I'm, I've got a bit more to say about that in a minute because I want to get Jason's thoughts on all this. But if you don't have that solid hand guiding the ship, it is going to be a it is going to be blood in the water. So, Jason, you got any initial thoughts on this? I think it's going to be partially what we talked about if the company ever got sold, because everything is pointing in that direction that they're at least getting their ducks in a row. Um, with the hiring of Nick Khan and all the changes that they've made and whatnot. Maybe they don't, maybe hell, maybe Vince plans to go down with the ship and his kids, kids, kids have it forever. And he's just hiring Nick just to get things in order. But I think we'd see a lot of that. So, Rob, you're right. Those folks who don't want Roman Reigns, who don't want this, who don't want Charlotte, who don't want that, buckle up, Bubba's, because now we're going MCU style. This is going to be, we push the heroes who sell and the guys, the guys who don't get gone, they go to the bottom because whoever it is in charge, be it Triple H or Cody or, you know, if they call DJ one day, you know, they're going to lean on 
their top people, at least initially, that you're going to lean on those folks and say, okay, you guys already know how to do this. We're still figuring it out. We're still figuring out what works, what doesn't. Another thing is, I think for a while, you'll see a pretty sanitized product. And I don't mean in in every regard. I just means in terms of not that WWE pushes many limits anymore, but I think you'd even see the limits that they do push once in a while get pulled back for, a, for, for quite a while. And then after that, it depends on what happens with Vince's actual ownership stake. You know, and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, whether this is a permanent thing or, you know, whether he's just stepping down and remaining as the kind of patriarch who just collects the checks. Who knows? We don't know how this is going to shake out, but I feel like um, buckle up um, because I do. I agree with DJ that um, this is the closest we've ever been that I can remember to, hey, this might actually, you know, bring the old man down. And maybe if he was 30 years younger, he'd he'd just be like, oh, no way. This is not bringing me down. You know what? I've survived. But, you know, the guy's a grandpa now. You know, maybe it's time. In any case, I don't look for this to be resolved anytime soon. I think we'll probably get a year of Steph, at least. Um, But who knows? I just hope that... Uh, I just don't hope anything, actually. I don't really care what happens because they're not. I mean, I don't think anything's really going to change. If Vince goes down, it'll be deservedly. I watch his product, but I'm not acting like he's a saint. And yeah, so whatever happens, happens. I don't really care that that much. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued for sure. It's uh, you know, it's definitely intriguing times when you think about the possibilities. And, you know, to be honest, there was a time when I was on that, uh, maybe we need to get Vince the hell up out of the way and, you know, see where WWE can be without him. I But when we look at Vince, not only from a, a business standpoint, Vince has always been on the cutting edge of tech <clears throat> of technology. First with... Uh, God, what was the precursor to pay-per-view, Rob? Closed uh, circuit television. Closed circuit, yeah. Closed circuit television, then pay-per-view. Then, I mean, God, 25 years before the network was even a thing, he was having a conversation with people where he foresaw a network that was predominantly pro wrestling. You know, so he, he's always been a visionary from the technology and the broadcast and the media standpoint. But, you know, I've, I've had an in, a... Um, the opportunity being in the business and, and meeting people at least to a smaller degree, Vince creatively that let's be honest. Vince has had some stinker ideas, but I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Vince has also had some incredibly brilliant ideas. And I, I had an opportunity one time years ago to speak to George, the animal steel, and he kept using the word genius to, and I know Rob is the resident genius here. But, you know, he kept using the word genius to describe Vince McMahon. He's like, Vince is just, he's a genius. He's an endless stream of creative, just fluidity. And the creative isn't always good. But the one thing that Vince McMahon has that everybody in the history of the business has lacked is he's not afraid to fail. He's got, and he's, he, made, he, he made it a TV trope. With the grapefruits and the grapefruits were and, you know, an innuendo and an analogy and, you know, but the grapefruits did more than just give us Shane and Stephanie. The grapefruits have allowed him to turn that business into something that is now an unstoppable, unstoppable juggernaut. 
I mean, we're looking, we're going to be talking about WWE 10, 15, 20 years from now, regardless of what state the company is in, there is enough intellectual property now that it'll be, it'll be bought and sold well after my kids are gone. So when you, when you look at that and then you look at creatively, what Vince always brought to the table is that he wasn't afraid to fail. And you think about the dumb shit that he's put out there. Like the Vince made us watch for months and months and months an egg on TV and had us believing that something wonderful was going to come out of this egg. Okay. Like I was like, too, like, man, we got to get SummerSlam. I got to see what's going to happen with this egg. And a dude in a chicken suit popped out. And, and I can't tell you how disappointed I was as a child to watch a dude in a chicken suit break <laughs> out of this egg. Yet here I am, 30 some odd years later, still watching this bullshit because Vince ropes you in. And he knew still it was going to shit. Uh, still Go talking. Still talking about the dude in the chicken suit, by the still way. Still talking about the dude. The Undertaker, who was afraid he was going to be the dude in the chicken suit, is <laughs> yes. still talking about the gobbledygooker. So was it a shit idea? You know, to whatever, 13, 14, maybe 15-year-old me, it was absolutely atrocious. I'm watching this going, what the F is this? And, of course, I was a I was a 22 Twitter wrestling fan back then. I'm never watching this crap again. I sat here for months. We bought this pay-per-view, and a goddamn dude in a chicken suit came out. I'm never watching this crap again. There I am on, you know, the next week watching again. And here I am 30-some-odd years later still watching it, and now I have a podcast about it. So, Vince, you won. Congratulations. Maybe, maybe George the Animal Steel wasn't wrong when he said he was a genius. But that's the thing. That's the thing. He wasn't afraid to put this ridiculously dumb idea. And, and just and dumb see, idea. That, huh? That's the, other, that's the other half of it. I, in terms of, you know, we're going to get, at least in the immediate future, Vince has to step down from creative. Not only are they going to lean on, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman and Charlotte and, you know, uh, Roman – but the ideas like that are going to get shot down immediately. But should they? Because well, again, no. Like I, said, I mean, in the the immediate, immediate, like three months, six months. Right. I feel like that that they're going to play it safe at least in the the forefront. I think that's what it's going to take. At the end of the day, whoever sits in that lead, like whoever has the final book, has got to have balls of steel. And they cannot be afraid to go out there and fail. And I think that's really what separates Vince McMahon from Tony Khan. Tony Khan is trying to please too many people at once. Vince McMahon don't give a F. Like, Vince McMahon realizes he's got 100,000 people in the room. And if he pleases 90,000 of them, he won. If he pleases 50,000 of them, he won. You know, Tony Khan is too worried about pissing off the 10,000, you know, he, do, he doesn't want to hurt those people's feelings. And until he changes that, he is never going to be Vince. And I think that's what separates Vince from the rest of them. He said on the Pat McAfee interview, I'm just built differently. And that's what he meant. He's not afraid to throw it out there. He's not afraid to fail. And he's not afraid to dust himself back off if he takes a hit. And until if the next person who sits in that chair after him doesn't have the same tenacity, the same balls, we're going to be looking at a much different WWE creatively 
in probably the next five to ten years, when Roman has moved on, when Seth has moved on, when Sasha, not so well, Sasha will probably have moved on either way. We just talked about that. When, you know, Naomi has gotten the call up to Hollywood, when Charlotte is gone, you know, this, this crop of talent that's coming up, not only did we say they are going to have to step up and, and really show them what they're looking for, the key here is going to be who sits in that creative chair and what kind of uh, what kind of intestinal fortitude they have. Yeah, yeah don't I, be afraid to say no, but as you pointed out, DJ, you know, Vince, we know, is not afraid to say no to people. Right. Um, but as you pointed out, the sometimes the real guts is knowing when to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I got a funny story about the, the gobbledygooker thing because, you know, I, I, I was, well, I was, you know, back then I was an NWA loyalist and I had some friends who were WWF loyalists. And so I was giving them a hard time about that. And then, of course, just a few months later in the NWA, we had the Black Scorpion. <laughs> nice. Wrestling which, is full of this stuff, but you know what? One of the, the worst resolutions to an angle ever. Okay, they had this guy under a mask who was supposed to be this shadowy figure figure from Sting's past. Okay, and then they're you know and and but they didn't know who they wanted it to ultimately be. Oh no! And then because and here's this is like kind of rumor mill kind of stuff through the years. They were trying to get the Ultimate Warrior. This was 1990, and the Ultimate Warrior was the WWF champion. <laughs> could could so they afford him? They, so obviously they could not no. get him. Okay. Oh. And so you know what they had to do? They could they couldn't get anybody. You know what they had to do? They said, "Okay, Rick, we need you to put the mask on. You're going to be the Black Scorpion. He's going to pull the mask off of your Starcade, but you get to win the title back next month." Okay, that's ultimately what they had to do because they had no backup. They went into the angle with no real idea. Is at least Vince knew from day one he was putting a dude in a chicken suit. And and this is where it gets even better. All right, because the the main event at Starcade was Sting versus the Black Scorpion, and if Sting won the match, the Black Scorpion had to unmask. So Ric Flair is under the mask, and he has to do no Ric Flair stuff during the match because it would be, it would be obvious, right? Right. If he started yeah. doing chops in the Figure Four it would be obvious who it was under the mask. So he had to just do the just basic stuff, none of his usual repertoire, and it was just like the most god-awful main event match you will ever see. He had it, to go out there and essentially look like a job guy. Yes, because he, he couldn't do any of his signature stuff because they, they would have given it away. Well, and you this, think about it, even <laughs> Ric Flair's punches are distinctively oh, Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. Yes, everything he does, it's him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so he had to do none of that. He could do none of that. And he just had to do the most basic stuff. It was terrible (laughs) because they didn't know who was because they didn't have anybody to to solve the angle with under the mask. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's when, when Vince comes with like really stupid shit. I understand something. The other guys are worse. Yeah. Wait, what channel is the uh, NWA on? 
uh, well, they're they're on Peacock. You can look them up under the archives <laughs> when you get okay. You're giving you're giving. I was gonna give them a little more credit. They're at least on YouTube now. Oh well, well yeah, but well, that ended, yes. But, yeah. Uh, wait. But if you want, I watch- want to acknowledge that NWA because I first started watching NWA Power when it first hit the YouTube, and I'll tell you what, man, it it was nostalgic. Like whatever Billy Corbin was doing oh, down there was awesome. When when NWA hit power, when NWA power hit YouTube and it became that weekly show, I watched the hell out of it because that was well, that was when we all started like talking, wasn't it? Was that? It was right around. I think Rob and I had already started doing that, like the two man show. Yeah, it, it, but it was neat. It was the pandemic at some yeah. point. The pandemic. Yeah, well, they, they, well, they started. The, the, they the started pandemic before. actually closed them up for a while. Yeah, that's it. So, so when they got started again, I started watching them, and that, that that just was such a fun studio show kind of vibe. Like it, it they captured that vibe really, really, well, really well. I, I don't know how Rob felt about it, but for me, I stepped back into six oh five Saturday night on TBS. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it was so authentic and so like I, I'll give them all the credit in the world, man. It was it had an authentic feel. The matches were worked very, very much. I throw that just awesome, like good stuff. No, it was, but um, man, yeah. So look, um, when when Vince when Vince does the gobbledygooker, he's not he's not afraid to do the gobbledygooker because again, he knows the other guys have things that are worse. Okay, I mean, and and that's the way you got to look at it. I mean, he competes with him, you know, like he said. Well, well, his thing was always, no, I'm not competing against Jim Crockett. I'm competing against, you know, Walt Disney. Um, and whoever, ultimately, if you're going to run creative there, that's how you have to think about it. You have to think about, okay, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't care about beating Tony Khan. I care about, you know, getting some of my people on the Disney channel. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's what you got. That's how you got to be thinking if you're going to sit in that chair. Um, and it's just, you know, um, that's, I mean, that's the key. And so again, if look, if this takes him down, then he earned it, you know, I'm not going to cry for him, but you know, what comes next? Yeah. It's, it just depends. And I'm guessing, you know, first thing would be you, you want somebody who can at least run run it competently and who can at least you know run a version of wwe stuff creatively right so so that you know at least what you get is close enough yeah the the interesting part will be you know as part of the timeline that i forgot to bring up triple h last week as well came back to the performance center and made the announcement that he's now back full-time whether that means he's back in charge of creative in NXT or what his capacity is going to be, I don't know. I know there was a lot of scuttlebutt around the the transition from black and gold to NXT 2.0. A lot of people felt like Vince took advantage of the fact that Triple H was out with his health issues to come in and make all these sweeping changes. Um, although I do bleed black and gold, and I always will, the changes were correct. Like, NXT 2.0 was a breath of fresh air. And even even Tommaso Ciampa said that. He said that recently. He said that NXT Black and Gold was starting to feel like a job. 
And he he agrees that the 2.0 switchover, the change, the rebranding of the whole thing needed to happen. And like you said, as much as I loved Black and Gold, my concern will be Triple H booked some really good shows. Now, how much of that was solely him versus him at the time? Dusty, Regal, um, I call him A-Train because I don't know the guy's shoot name. Matt Bloom, is that A-Train? Uh, yeah. Matt Bloom, um, you know, all these guys, you know, creatively, they and they put on an incredible wrestling show, but it did turn into Triple H's, you know, indie E-Fed. You know, let's let's be fair. As much as, you know, they had some great wrestling, some great matches, some great characters, and we could argue all day about some of the talent the WWE quote-unquote whiffed on that Triple H fought to get into the company. Um, you know, I take, you know, Keith Lee and me again. He made a whole spectacle out of signing Mia Yim. Like, she was in the second May Young Classic. She lost in second round? Something like that. I think it was yeah. second round. She yeah. was leaving. She was exiting the building, and yeah, you had the cameras follow her. She's leaving. He chases her down. You got the whole crowd chanting, we, you know, please sign Mia. And he walks out there and says, hey, yeah, come on back in. You know, we're going to sign you to a deal. So, you know, you can argue the, the the missed opportunities all you want and, and and I could probably side with you on some of those if Triple H because a lot of people during that time period really thought that Vince needed to step aside and Triple H needed to take the reins because people were so in love with what they thought NXT was there was this fantasy booking of Triple H going on the main roster and he's going to give us all these indie matches man we're going to have WWE is going to be the, the top brand indie fed when Triple H takes over and I looking at it in hindsight, again, bleeding black and gold, bleeding black and gold, straight honest, I would be concerned if that's what he ends up doing because I like my separation. I liked black and gold for the work rate matches. I like WWE because I like my ridiculousness. Like I love really good wrestling matches on the main roster. And you know, we just witnessed one two weeks ago with the tribal chief and Matt Riddle. Had one hell of a SmackDown main event, man. And I, I'm here for that all day long. But I like my silly stuff, too. And the question will be, can he deliver, if if it's Triple H, can he deliver the right balance of silly with the seriousness? I feel like he could. Just He, he would need the right people around him just kind of pointing him in the right direction, just kind of like how we do with this show. We all have weaknesses, and we kind of poke each other and say, hey, straighten that up. And then, you know, we have strengths and say, hey, do more of that, and blah, blah, blah. It's all about the people you bring put put around you. But in a, in a vacuum, yeah, I think he could do it. Um, because, I, again, you, you can't tell me he had no input on NXT 2.0. You just can't. I won't hear it unless your name is Vince McMahon or, like, you know, Stephanie McMahon, I won't believe you that Triple H had no input on NXT 2.0. So, yeah, the guy has clearly proven he can run a wrestling federation, whether it is exactly like WWE or not. Um, but given the opportunity, I think he would excel at it. And look, um, him running developmental was not the same as him. If he, I, I firmly believe that if he were be running the main roster, he would not turn it into a an indie fed that was <clears throat> okay that that's he did that because of the circumstances of the time okay um there was because there was all of this indie talent out there 
and there was really nowhere for them to go to make any real money at the time, right? Um, and these people were all really good. So why not sign them all? Um, and once, and then again, this was it was developmental, so he didn't he didn't have to sell eighty thousand tickets, you know. Um, selling fifteen thousand tickets for a takeover was fine, right? Um, and it's a, it's a, just a different animal. Um, and look, this is the guy who did a home invasion angle, participated in a home invasion angle, you know, where he broke through Randy Orton's door with a sledgehammer. Okay. I mean, this guy was a founding member of Degeneration X. I mean, I think he can, I don't think he's that averse to doing silly stuff. Right. Um, so I don't think that's it at all. I just think with, with NXT black and gold was a combination of circumstances and opportunity. And he took, <clears throat> he took advantage of that. And also, you know, they didn't need him to, it, they, you know, it, you need NXT 2.0 now to be the way that it is because you need to develop people now because the indie folks are going to prefer to work like they get to do in AEW or just stay on the indies. Uh, you know, WWE is not the only place for them to go make real money now. So, you know, you don't have a vacuum for them to go run into. So now you, your NXT needs to be developmental because you need to develop some people. Because those a lot of those indie folks will say thanks, but no thanks if you give them an offer well, back. But also, uh, you have to think of the they have that NIL pipeline now. They start in the college pipeline. You need yeah. developmental for that kind of stuff for those kind of people. Right, and so no, you can't run an indie fed. You can't run an indie fed at NXT now, and you never could run an indie fed at the main roster level. I don't think he would do that. Um, he did it there because he could, all right, and because the people were there to do it with. And and that's it. Um, I think in this, the man has adapted, been adapting for how many years now? Okay, I mean, he was the one sober guy in the clique. Yeah. Right? Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah. He was, you know, and he was around all of those guys at their absolute worst, and he was the one guy who managed not to end up in the shit. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's been, he's been adapting ever since, um, and to whatever the situation calls, I think as long as his health is permitting, I think he would adapt here as well. And you, you, you kind of got me thinking. You got the gears grinding. When you talk about the uh, NXT black and gold being like the, the indie fantasy fed, go back to something I said about five or ten minutes ago about somebody being in that creative chair being willing to take a chance. NXT, as it evolved, what it evolved into really was taking a chance. That could have gone one of two ways. Like, because it was, it was very strictly wrestling and history has shown us that by and large, people do not care about wrestling. You know, they care about moments, they care about segments, they care about characters and Triple H took a chance on pure wrestling. Now we had some sports entertaining type stuff in there. There was definitely some of that, but the heart and soul of NXT black and gold was the wrestling. And you can pick out any number of really, really good work rate wrestling matches and we could probably sit here and dedicate a three-hour show to talking about our favorites um so i when when i think about it that really is laying your balls out on the line that's saying look i think people want to watch this and to a degree while you can look at data that says he's wrong for that period of time for that 
three to five year block of time, Triple H was right. Now, maybe NXT as an overall product wasn't drawn raw on SmackDown numbers, but it was definitely built a, a respectable following. And when it went live head to head against or against AEW, it didn't suffer any. You know, it probably wasn't drawing as much. But if you look at black and gold now, when when we're just, and again, we don't use ratings as the know all end all be all on this show, but you can use it as a guideline to look for trends. And they've been hovering between six and seven hundred thousand now for the last six or eight months, and that's give or take what NXT Black and Gold was doing head to head against AEW. So yeah. obviously he was onto something there, and he had enough guts, and he believed enough in his talent to throw that out there. And so yeah, I mean, I guess when we're when we look at it from a respect of is there somebody out there who has the same. Uh, the same guts and fearlessness that Vince McMahon does, it may very well be Triple H. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against him, certainly. All right. Anybody else got any uh, anything to add to that? Uh, nope. Just um, it, it'll be interesting. And, well, um, those of you who want it to go one way, I don't think it's going to go that way. So <laughs> if it happens. Yep. Yeah. Probably not. All right, before we get to the next segment here, I want to thank you guys again, as always, for listening to us. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast on the ChairShot Network, ChairShot Radio Network, I should say. You can find us on thechairshot.com if you didn't catch that at the beginning. Uh, We're going to segue here now, talk a little bit of AEW. Uh, Jason ended up watching The Forbidden Door this weekend, and uh, he wanted to talk a little bit about the card. And I got to be honest, I've told you guys in the past, I... Don't watch AEW. I don't go out of my way unless something comes across my um, my, my timeline that, that that's a video or a full match or something. I'll watch it just to, to see what it's about. They almost had me roped into ordering, ordering this pay-per-view. And I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw that it was advertised. And you could order it on Apple TV. And I was like, you know what? Let me look at it. Because we have the free trial of Apple TV right now. I'm like, you know what? Let me look at it. See if it's... I ain't spending 50 bucks. I, I, we, I've said this. I'm not spending 50 bucks on anybody's pay-per-view. But if I could get it on Apple TV at a reduced rate, I was going to. Looked on Apple TV, could not find it. And, you know, I looked. I found some AEW episodes Anyways. that you can purchase. But I didn't see anything. I even did a search for the, for the pay-per-view and couldn't find it at all. So I ended up not watching it. But, Jason, tell us a little bit about uh, your thoughts on The Forbidden Door. First of all, because... I've found out that some of you in the wrestling community are just trash people who like to brag about, oh, support the industry, support the industry, support the industry. And then I found out that you're streaming shit. Get out of here. So I want to be irritates clear. me. I, and, and, you know, I know that, I have some, we have some mutuals that kind of watch things. Hey, listen, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm not going to knock on any, anybody average Joe. But if you put yourself up as some sort of character or personality or something like that, or even if you're a wrestling promoter, because I know some of them who do, uh, and you pull that kind of stuff, you're just the worst. I'm a big fan of the talent getting paid, whether I watch them or not. Big fan of the talent getting paid. And I mean, I think so. So to be clear, uh, I wanted the talent to get paid, but and did get it and wa- bought it and watched the show. DJ wanted to get the t- uh, talent paid. Obviously he's never, but 
He didn't buy it. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't watch the show because he didn't buy it. So there's a lesson there, folks. Everybody, be honest and pay your pay your uh, pay your performers. Yeah, me. I In any played, case, I just, played, I just played PS4 that night. I think I just. <laughs> <laughs> I think I ended up watching Shang Chi. <laughs> Another successful Father's Day, eh, Rob? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Nice so there back. were thirteen matches on this card. I am Jesus not going to. Christ. And then, to be fair. It is an, a a super show. It's it is it is billed as and it is the official name on the Wikipedia thing I'm looking at is AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door, and that's how it was marketed. This is not technically an AEW show. Maybe it is. I don't know. But anyway, two wrestling companies put on a promotion, put on a show. The card's gonna get a little stacked. Okay, I, I now that I kind of got past that on my on my own, I'm like, all right. Great. Um, didn't I'm not going to go through every single thing, obviously, but some of the highlights. There were some lowlights too. Uh, FTR the uh, won the winner take all uh, three way match for the ROH World Tag Team Championship and the IWGP Tag Team Championship. Um, so now they're the AEW SmackDown champions as well as the IWGP champions. AEW uh, SmackDown champions. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. They're, You're being they're facetious. Just, I got you. They're, they unify. Okay, I got you. They own, they, own own Ring of Honor. Ring, yeah. they own Ring of Honor, and Ring of Honor doesn't have its own show. Those are just I'm a little dumb. slow tonight, Jason. It's been a long week. That's all right, buddy. <laughs> but anyway, and then they like to be like, oh, we the ones. They had a little tweet about them. Whatever, being, I, whatever nerds. I just want to tell you, you, like, nobody takes pro wrestling more seriously than you guys, and it's that, and it's to your detriment. It is. Anyway, Pat, uh, in an awesome, awesome match, they had a fatal, uh, fatal four-way for the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Credit where credit is due, another phenomenal-looking belt. I just love their belt design. That belt, you know, AEW has some sharp-looking belt. Like, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship belt is freaking nice-looking, and I'll say that much about them. It's, dude, they're nice-looking belts, all of them. And they are. Almost, in a way, so I almost dislike them changing the women's belt. I like that they changed it so it's a little more uniform with all the other belts and it has the same general shape. I did really enjoy the fact that the the women's belt was so retro and so unique because it looked like a women's belt from like the 1950s, right. which a few cool things about women's wrestling in the 1950s. So, but anyway, uh, some highlights though was that match with Pa. Uh, Pac, Clark, Clark, Canners, uh, Clark Connors, excuse me, Miro, Malachi Black. It was awesome. They went crazy. Um, Tony uh, Thunder Rosa defeated Tony Storm for the for the to retain her championship. I think this was the kind of match. This match was kind of a low light for me because I've watched Tony Storm for a couple of years now, and then like during the match, I just kind of like looked around and was like, and Glad, hopefully none of our fans listen to this, but is she just okay? And we've just been kind of pretending that she's a lot better than she is. Because she was very, very okay in that match. And I, I unfortunately, I'm saying that as a bad thing in this case. But uh, any of you guys have input on Tony Storm there? I, um, I'm, go, ahead. go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, you, you go because 
Yeah. Right. I like Tony Storm, but I think Tony Storm is one of those wrestlers who's made better. She's good. She's good. Let me let me start there because I'm a fan. Um, I think she's made better depending on the dance partner she's in there with. I've seen some Thunder Rosa stuff. I don't think Thunder Rosa's bad, but I think the Thunder Rosa Tony Storm chemistry is only going to get so good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Go ahead, Rob. Um Okay, well, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to make people mad at me because, look, I mean, Tony Storm is very good. Um, so I do think there are people on our Twitter timeline who speak highly of her, not because of how she wrestles. <laughs> you are uh, not wrong. And I think for a lot of the people on our Twitter timelines, it starts there. And mm-hmm. that, and a lot, that, a lot of people like cake. Yeah, and that it magically, and that that part of it magically makes her a better wrestler to a lot of those people. Um, Again, I'm not saying, I'm not calling her bad or mediocre or anything. Um, I just think that there are people on our Twitter timeline who speak highly of her for reasons that have nothing to do with wrestling, and then they try to pretend that that those reasons are for wrestling. Uh, And... That's all I'll say, and I will also <laughs> I will also say that she looked really good taking two pies in the face from a 13-time women's champion. And there it is. Yeah. There it is. He got, got, got the reference got in. He got to say, man, he got it in half, about a little more than halfway through the show. <laughs> he called the spot early on that one. <laughs> so, and as we all know, Daniel Bryan, unfortunately, was hurt, and he said he has a mysterious opponent for uh, Zack Sabre Jr. for their match. And as I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast heard, that it was Claudio Castanoli, uh, otherwise known as AKA WWE's Cesaro. So Cesaro is now All Elite, and Cesaro is in the Blackpool Combat Club uh, with uh, Regal and Mox and Danielson and Wheeler Yuta. So that rules. Um, I need everybody to stop with the game changer stuff. It's it's stop it. Uh, I I I'm belittling the guy to make this point, and I don't mean to because he's a fantastic wrestler. But at the end of the day, he's just going to be another guy in AEW. Um, and yeah, nobody nobody wants to hear that. Less people want to right. admit it. And that's but, not even on entirely on Cesaro. It's just what Daniel Bryan's just part of another group right now. He wrestled yeah. for the AEW Championship a couple times. He lost a couple times, and now he's part of a little group. Half the people that we talk about wrestle for a championship, whatever, end up on dark in six months. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not even crapping on Cesaro. I'm just telling you what I've seen so far. Yeah. Um, but I do like that he's part of Blackpool Combat. That's awesome. That's just a stick good him in fit. A group. Yeah. Stick him in a group of guys who actually, it seems like, just want to wrestle and fight. Well, and the fun awesome. thing there is it's a nice call back to Regal because Regal's last match was against Cesaro in NXT. Right. And so that it's was a nice part little callback was- there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was part of the whole story too. And and, and which I which is cool. I, I I'm on the, the Cesaro fan club side. I could sit here 
and put on my little fanboy cap and say, yeah, WWE missed the ball on Cesaro. WWE could and should have done more with Cesaro. But I can also sit here as a realist and list off every single reason why Cesaro reached as high as he was going to reach. But I can also look at that non-insultingly because I can tell you there are thousands of guys out there who would love to say that they had the same 10-year run in WWE that Cesaro had. As long as he was healthy, he was on TV. He was on TV doing something. Usually he was in a successful tag team. If it wasn't with Tyson Kidd, it was with Sheamus. He was a multi-time tag team champion. He was, what, U.S. championship once? Yeah. Yeah, he was usually U.S. Yeah. champion once. Um, that was like right at the beginning of me really starting to watch again. So I kind of missed the early day. I de- completely missed the NXT Cesaro. Like Cesaro was yeah. already on the main roster by the time I came back in full time. So I missed NXT Cesaro. But he was just one of those guys. He's fluid in the ring. He's absolute poetry in motion in the ring, Cesaro is. I love watching him work. I love the way he moves, the way he executes moves, the way he transitions from one move to the next. The dude's a total pro. He's absolutely just a machine in that ring. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. He will fit in beautifully in AEW and the the, the structure that they're trying to promote. Um but I also, as a realist and someone who's been watching this stuff for as long as I have, I can look at Cesaro and say, you know what? He peaked where he should have. He peaked where he should have. And it's it, sometimes it takes peeling away what you think you know and just watching it. Because I remember when Vince was on the Broken Skull Sessions and they gravitated t- towards Cesaro because uh, actually it wasn't even the Broken Skull Sessions at the time. It was still the uh, Stone Cold podcast when it was on the WWE network and Vince was talking to him and, you know, it gravitated towards Cesaro and, you know, Austin, big fan of Cesaro was asking him and, you know, Vince made the statement. He's like, well, we're trying to figure out how to get Cesaro to appeal to the fans. And I'm sitting there thinking as a fan, well, Cesaro appeals to me. I like Cesaro. You know, what, what, what are we, what are we missing? What am I seeing that you as the boss and the fans at large are not seeing? He just, he had all the tools except that final it factor. And when you stack him up against a Roman Reigns, against a Seth Rollins, a Cody Rhodes now, a Bobby Lashley, um, you know, even, I mean, you look at the, the character work that Montez is putting in right now. When you stack Cesaro up with those guys, or even Sheamus, stack him up next to Sheamus. Sheamus was obviously the, the larger-than-life character of that team. So it's it's like I said, as much as I was a fan of Cesaro, I, I could see every reason and agree with why he peaked where he where he was meant to. And I agree with so, Jason. I don't think he's like I don't think you're gonna see the AEW heavyweight championship on Cesaro at all, ever. It's not gonna happen. All Atlantic champion, TBS champion, sure, maybe tag team champion um, with Mox, absolutely. Yep. Uh that actually is pretty nicely ties into my other point you talked about how he kind of how he did in wwe and in one of the many points where i finally just lost it with jr that guy if you are still saying that dude loves a good dude does a good job on that show you are you need to take off the blinders i'm sorry it it, that dude has been part of this industry for longer than i have been alive he has blazed paths he has he has done things he has 
he is incredible. He's a legend. Ten times over in this business, it is time for him to leave it behind, at least on the microphone. He was messing up people's names. He was confusing people. He was, you know, just, like, stopping mid-sentence sometimes, and Excalibur or whoever would have to jump in. Just, and then the reason I brought that up is because one of the things that really actually, like, made me angry, not angry, but just, like, that's annoying, is... When Claudio's coming to the ring, well, let me tell you, folks, this guy's a wrestler. He's not a sports entertainer. Hey. Oh, okay, Christ. okay, then tell then then tell me louder that you don't know anything about this dude. Yeah. Yeah, like like I don't even know what to tell you. Like, uh it's like saying it's like saying, you know, Jimmy Uso is all elite and well, this guy's really a singles wrestler. What the what the hell dude are you even watching? Yeah, he's had a couple of singles matches that were really good, but I'm sorry, Jay, main event Jay Uso. Uh but put some respect no. on that. Yeah. Exactly. Put some respect on the fact that the dude was and like I said in my tweet, well that's funny because I've been sports entertained by that dude a dozen times over. Uh the bar was not just wrestling. That was sports entertainment, Bubba's. Because yep. they met in a bar or they <laughs> yeah. in a bar brawl not in a wrestling match uh yeah so that really really irked me because it's like now you're trying to paint the dude as something he's not like yes he is one of the best like hold for hold wrestlers that probably we've we've ever seen but he can do a lot more than that don't put him in your in your stupid little pigeonhole but anyway yeah. So that was cool to see Claudio. Rob, anything on Claudio? Uh, just, look, um, I've said this on Twitter. I'll say it here. Um, he's arguably the best tag team partner of his generation. And if you're going to shit on that, then, you know, I got nothing for you because, you know, that to me, that's like shitting on Barbie, Bobby Eaton or Arn Anderson. And if, if, if you watch AEW, if, if you love Arn Anderson, then you should not be discounting Cesaro's WWE career because they were very much the same guy in the ring. Yeah. Okay. The trajectories uh, are very similar. And yeah. And so multiple partners, multiple championships, great at what they did. I mean, Arn was Arn could talk. That's the only difference. But um, you can't sit here and say that you love Arn Anderson as a you know, and then be mad about Cesaro's WWE career. Um, so please miss and me also, with that. And also, you're kind of shitting on the guy's WWE career when you do that. And by the way, the dude kept a physical feat special move in his back pocket for 10 plus years because he's like, nope, I'm saving that one for WrestleMania. And he did it. So don't you want to be like, yeah, the guy has been a like absolute stud for the past 10 years or wherever over there, and now we got him. And now he's going to wrestle his face off. It's going to be awesome. They did the same and, thing with Brian Danielson went over to AEW. They tried to discredit yeah. his entire WWE career and act like he never even existed. Meanwhile, you can go back on the Peacock and watch banger after banger after yes. banger from Daniel Bryan. And and I will accept nothing different. I'm sorry. I but I also get it for guys like Miro. Like, okay, he did some stuff. He did the cake stuff. Yeah, he walked into WrestleMania U.S. champ. He also lost to John Cena. Yeah, okay, we can kind of gloss over that stuff. Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30, shut the hell up. And the, like, whole yes, the whole yes movement. 
Yeah. Yeah. And same look, same thing with Moxley. Same thing. I mean, mm. same thing. Yeah, exactly. Like we're not going to act like the Shield with chopped liver, okay? Right. No, we're not going to go down that road though tonight, yeah. Jason. Yeah. Jason, finish oh, up. Uh, we'll, we'll get back on the. We'll back on because there's only two more matches I really wanted to go over. Okay. Um, uh, let's see here. We had the the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, Jay White retained in a four way. Against Hangman Adam Page, uh, Kazuchika Okada, and Adam Cole. This match was as good as you would expect with from those four guys who are like real. They're really good at. They're all really good at the same kind of match. The NXT New Japan like real. This is a fight. This is you know high speed. This is high impact. Right. Uh, it was awesome match, but the the finish was amazing because. Uh, Okada hit uh, Cole with the Rainmaker. Then immediately, and he was going to go for the cover. Uh, White jumped up from behind, got him in the Blade Runner, Blade Runnered him. And it, as you know, the Blade Runners are like a crossroads. It rolls over, rolled him out of the ring, and then covered the already Rainmaked, Rainmade Adam Cole. It was a very, very beautiful, like, last 30 seconds. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, obviously, we had, uh, everyone knows by now, that Mox won the interim uh, AEW World Championship against Tanahashi. It, another quick highlight from that match is John Moxley, if given permission, will absolutely blade himself for the finish of a match and make sure that he is gushing blood. Because... As we all know, one of Tanahashi's signature moves is the uh, what's it? The sling blade. Excuse me, I almost said Blade Runner. But anyway, the sling blade. Uh, and so Tanahashi's really, you know, getting that last last run. Uh, it looks like this match is going to be over soon. Hits him with the he hits Mox with the sling blade. Mox, you know, the sling blade. He falls, lands directly on his back. Is in the corner. He immediately rolls out of the ring. He's on the ground, facing the ground on all fours, and all of a sudden he's hitting his forehead. <laughs> and he's gushing blood from like his hairline down. I'm like, hold up, time Fla- flag on the play. Yes, time. yes. How in flat. the f? How in the f do you get by? Because I saw the pictures of Mox. It was like crimson mask blood. Wasn't like a little trickle on the side here. It was full from a sling blade. Unless there was a like a, a quick chop or something that I missed before. Because <laughs> I did come back and watch it. I do have it. I could still watch it. But um, but yeah, watch the replay on that because I <laughs> a sling blade ring hits it. He I definitely see him messing with his forehead, and then all of a sudden he's gushing. Make it make sense. Come on, it was, man. It's, that one was God. It's after a five-hour, 13-match show uh, of WWE leading into, or, or excuse me, AEW leading into, by the way, right on right now, Blood and Guts. <laughs> oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> what, what, a seg, what a segue for the Wednesday night show. Backbone, busted open forehead, paradigm shift, boom, we're out of here. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> what a shit fish! Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have to look that up 
I believe you. You paid for it. You watched it. I, I believe you. I trust you, Jason. I want to. I'm gonna have to look that up and watch that just to see how absolute shit that is. Because that's that's just was, dumb. Like was, that's a dumb reason to just break out the blood. I will tell you, it is much smoother in when you're watching it live in real time because. I did have to go back. I literally rewound the live broadcast. I was like, "What did that just happen? What was this?" So, watching it live, you really don't pick it up as funny as that sounds. Um, but anyway, uh, but yeah. So the the whole show was awesome. I thought the set rules. I like their their new um, kind of lower set. Yeah. Um, they've they've kind of expanded the stage, and uh, I don't have they totally gotten rid of the chandelier or just kind of raised it. But in any case, it looks it looks beautiful now. Um, so I like the new aesthetic. I like the new look. Uh, the pay per view is fun. Um, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be interesting when we see. I don't know. Some of these guys are gonna be on YouTube in a couple of weeks. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. But all in all, was it? I mean, even with the matches, I didn't even go over and the pre show and everything. I definitely got, in my estimation, I got 50 bucks out of it. It was because it was a long card. Oh, and uh, I'm sorry. Um, it wasn't listed. It's not listed because it wasn't an actual match. But we also got... Um, yeah, Shibata. Uh, yeah, Shibata, Shibata um, attacked uh, Will Ospreay. Because oh, he was oh. there for a little... Oh, did, did he put his brain back in his head first? <laughs> I mean, he had to screw the bolts in to hold it in. Yeah, Shibata so, came to uh, um, uh, Orange Cassidy's rescue at the end of their at the end of that match and attacked um, uh, uh, Osprey. Osprey. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Yeah, absolutely. Did uh, quick question: Did Sting wrestle? Sting did wrestle. He and Darby, um, well, who'd they wrestle? Let's see here. They're in there with the Bucks? They're in, no, they, well, the Bullet Club. Um, okay. So the Bucks and El Fantasmo with uh, Haikulo. Because I got to so, tell you, man, I, I've watched some bits and pieces of stuff they've done with Sting. And I'll give credit where it's due. AEW is doing with Sting what WWE should and could have been doing with him. Yeah, same. I don't know who if he's in charge of booking his own stuff. It's from what little I've seen, it looks pretty awesome. It looks like the dude is out there having the time of his life. He's yeah. just—I think it's a being a longtime Sting fan. I think it's awesome that the guy's still still active and doing something. I know we talked very early on about because you know AEW safety protocol isn't exactly the best, and that's putting it mildly. We were a little worried about sixty some odd year old Sting getting out there and messing it up, mixing it up with these kids, and getting himself more permanently injured than he is. We're well over a year into this sting run. And from everything that I can see from it, it looks like the dude's having a hell of a good time out there. Well, yeah, because he's paired with Darby Allen. So uh, Darby Allen can just do all the crazy stuff. Darby's taking all the heat and you know, Sting's, <laughs> Sting's coming in and bat and cleanup, which is fine. Yep. That's exactly what he That's, should be doing. Yes. And anybody with any foresight that wanted to make some money on merchandise could have creatively done that with Stank. There are half a dozen guys they could have paired Sting up with in WWE, and I, this is one time where I think they whiffed. Um, you know, they could have done with Sting what AEW is doing, and it would have been they could have made money off the gimmick. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. The, so. We we will definitely call call them out when we think we're wrong. We're not a bunch of e drones in here. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. If if Sting still had a little a little left in the tank, yeah, you should have capitalized on it. Yeah, I mean, I will say this, and we've talked about this on the show before. Vince, WWE, and Vince are the top of the mountain. And when mm-hmm. you're just coming off of a huge concussion lawsuit, the last thing you want to do is take a chance on a 61 year old man who just jacked his neck up in a match. I get it. I get it. You're going to be apprehensive. You are the the largest. You are at the top of the food chain, and when somebody wants money, you're the person they come for. They're not going to come to AEW. Not right now. You know, people are going to get, you know, maybe if AEW lasts another 10, 15, 20 years, you may get some guys that start getting together and say, hey, look, maybe we need to get together a lawyer. I don't feel so good. And, you know, then you're going to start seeing some, you know, seeing some lawsuits. But right now, because it's fresh, because it's new, because Tony's everybody's best buddy, you know, and and right now nobody's feeling the long-term effects of the injuries that they're getting today. They're not doing that. But so I, I can see why WWE would be a little bit apprehensive about the Sting situation. I do, I do, I get it. But at the same time, if he said he was good to go and he had medical clearance to go, they say, hey, his neck's okay for a 61-year-old man and, you know, somebody who just injured himself this is you do what you can with them i would say wwe could have done more with him than they did oh yeah for sure oh um that's i think that's all i've got in new japan like i said i don't need to do the whole card okay but yeah definitely a 50 dollars show it was great yeah well hey and and i've said this on the show before and again putting them over if you're a fan of their stuff and they're giving you 13 matches in five hours you're getting your money's worth you know, absolutely. and I'll absolutely put them over for that. Yep. So, so speaking of uh, moving on from pay-per-views to premium live events, we have money in the bank this weekend. Man, this one snuck up on me. We were sitting in the creative huddle prior to this. I'm like, wait, that's this weekend, isn't it? And yeah, completely. I, but then again, the last three weeks have lasted. It's felt like one day has been continuous for the last three weeks for me. So I don't even know what day, what you know, which end is up anymore. But um, <clears throat> we were going to talk a little bit of money in the bank, and I, I, we're not going to get too deep into the card here because there's really only a couple of matches that I think we're overly excited for, and those are obviously the money in the bank women's match and the men's match. I think the uh, Bianca Belair versus Carmella, while I think they're going to have a good match, I think the the conclusion there is foregone. Same thing with Ronda Rousey and Natalia. I, don't, I think you can pretty much phone that one in. Again, they'll have a good match. Natalia can drag a good match out of anybody. Um, but uh, what was the other one? There was one more match that um, Uso, oh, the, Uso's in the street profits. Uso's in the, that is one that I'll look forward to because those guys always show up. Uh-oh. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this: do do the do the street profits take them all? Take now is this for both sets of tag belts or just one? Because I'm a little yeah, bit behind right now. It's That's for what? the undisputed. It's for yeah. the undisputed. Okay, so do we do the thing with the street profits or do we keep riding with the with the bloodline? What are we doing here? Um, oh my god, I'm in hell. I'm in hell. Uh-oh. I, so, as you guys know, I watch Dynamite while we're on mute. Or maybe I'm not. Maybe it's just Triumph Marty. But Jim Jim Ross literally just got announced, and he's walking across the stage from Gorilla, like walked out one of the entrance tubes. So apparently he hasn't been on commentary all night. I don't know what's going on there, but it, it's just funny that I'm like, this dude needs to go, and then two minutes later he gets a spectacle. They, they make a spectacle out of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Honestly, I think they're not going to do it here. Because um, like, if, if Roman's not in the building, because 
that's obviously going to be like some type of inflection point in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's not even there, then to even get like a reaction shot on camera or something to them losing I, the titles, then I, I, I don't see it happening. Well, it doesn't say he's not going to be there, but I, he's not on the card as a, in a match. Yeah. I mean, I, it would be kind of silly to take this lighter schedule and just be like, oh, I'm not working a match, but then still have to fly to wherever. Yeah. yeah. But, All right. But, yeah, no, I agree with you, Rob. That's a good point. If if Roman's not there to, you know, s- you know, stare at them and, bl- bl- uh, you know, fire lasers from his eyes into their skulls, then what's the point? Yeah. Um, I don't look for the Street Profits to win. I don't look for the Street Profits to lose. I think we get some kind of non non-finish here either a double yeah. count out some type of count out disqualification something um does that should the street profits win no again fan booking i'll say yes but from a from a long-term standpoint probably not so there you go all right rob you want to uh, lead then- us into the uh the men's match Okay. Um, well, we also had, if, just quickly, we want to go over Theory and Bobby Lashley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally forgot about that. Uh, go ahead and start there, Rob. I think Theory escapes yeah. some kind of way. Don't think Theory pins Bobby Lashley, but he escapes some kind of way. And then I think I think we're going to get a, a summary execution at SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Rob and I are on the exact same page on this. I think Bobby... Uh, Theory will probably get the tights or something like that or get the, you know, oh, he held on to the rope while he pinned him or something like that. And then, you know, we'll get the real match at SummerSlam. And well, it's going to be... Piggybacking off of that, um, we spoke a couple weeks ago after Lashley beat Omos and um, MVP. He started to run around. He grabbed that kid's replica belt at ringside, held it up, proclaimed very loudly that I'm coming for you whether it's Roman or whoever, if they end up splitting up those belts, whoever's got it. Lashley's made it very clear what his intentions are. Do you put the U.S. championship on him, knowing that you may very well be elevating him back up to the main event? Or do you leave it on theory? Uh, I think what you need to have somehow, you need to have some type of babyface champion, um, singles champion, because we got Gunther with the IC title. So I think... Yeah, I think he you put it on him and and um you know he can just run through some people for a few months and cuz I mean you don't because all right, put it this way, if if they can't get the rock for next year's WrestleMania, you got to have some people in mind who, you know, maybe, you know, as a substitute. Um Yeah. I think he's one of those guys. Um and hell, look, he could carry the damn U.S. title into WrestleMania. Shit, I mean, it, I mean, if you're gonna like, um, like if 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 they're gonna do the thing and have him win, I mean, you know, um, and, and you know, I've said he's on my list of people who are acceptable. Yeah. Um, and the way they're building him, it's very possible that he just runs through people for the next seven or eight months, and he goes in there, and he's the, and he's the one that does it. Um, it's. The way things are looking right now is at least on the table. I think I'm okay with that scenario. Um, yeah, I, I'm totally on board with that. Um, so it's very possible. I mean, that that's where they're going. Um, so why not put the U.S. title on him? Have him beat a bunch of people, um, and he don't have to lose it. 
um, he can he can do like the Ultimate Warrior, just take it all the way there. And yeah. and then if he does, if they do the thing and he wins, then you fill the U.S. title, you know, after that. Have a tournament. Yeah, yeah that works. Okay. All right, so men's main event match. They were not main event match, but the men's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. Rob, you want to take us oh, into that one? All right, so we got in this match. Um, now, they were supposed to have a match with, you know, Kevin Owens and uh, Ezekiel, Elias, you know, um, Elrod, whichever one of those was going to show up. But then they they pulled it. So That's interesting. Right? I haven't seen Raw yet. I, gotta catch, I won't catch up on Raw until probably tomorrow night. So that didn't happen. So right now on the wiki page, it says still, so Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, almost Sami Zayn, Riddle, and to be determined. So maybe they'll have a match Friday and fill that space, or maybe they'll do the, the match because fr- Friday is basically kind of all hands on deck kind of show. Yeah. Um, so maybe they'll do that on Friday and then fill the last spot. Um, yeah, I think it really doesn't matter because whoever gets that spot is not going to win. Um, I think right now it's either Seth or Riddle, I think. Um, and I'm going to enjoy Drew and Sheamus just beating the shit out of each other <laughs> during that match. Um, and, uh, you know, or or Sami Zayn is also a possibility. I think it's either Seth, Riddle, or Sami Zayn, I think. it's Those are your possibilities, I think. Okay, Jason? Uh, I mean, I think everybody's got a good claim on it, obviously, except Sheamus. He's just kind of there, um, in, just in terms of what they would do after it. And then almost, unless he's going to fail, I mean, yeah, unless, I unless, yeah, I don't see that at all. Uh, yeah. the most intriguing one is Sami Zayn, in my opinion, because, and I do mean this, play it straight. No Sammy the hero or all Sammy tricked him because that's what everybody's thinking is going to happen. But you have Sammy weasel his way into another one, get the money in the bank briefcase, and then walk into Roman's office and say, either here you go, boss, or, hey, you know, he comes to the ring when Roman's in the ring next Friday on SmackDown, hands it to a ref, and then just flops over and um because i think that would be roman's at least getting to wrestlemania Uh, i have um, if he gets there with both belts maybe but he's definitely getting there with at least the universal um and so far they haven't said that they haven't made any grand statement that these are you know for one belt only or whatever like that they've kind of been pretty loosey-goosey about the contract except you, it's it's a money in the bank contract for a world championship match. They haven't really gone beyond mm-hmm. that, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, but I think I it's either got to be. I don't think they're going to do the Rollins thing again. And again, if they are, if they're going to do Rollins, Reigns, Lesnar 2.0, Roman's going to win somehow. So yeah. Of, of any of these guys who could actually walk away and win this thing? No. Riddle or 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 Drew, maybe. And maybe yeah. Drew does the honorable, I'm cashing this in for my magic clash at the castle. And I can win it you know, in front of my European friends. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this one's a tough one to call. I can eliminate the people that I know aren't going to win right off the bat, and that would be almost. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I sorry, I, I probably shouldn't have picked the low hanging fruit there, but I look for the rest of the field to clear him out pretty quickly. Whether they collectively put him through a table, crash him through the barricade, whatever the case may be, they take almost out in the early because he's the biggest threat to the whole thing. Um, I, I want to lean towards because I've got the clash at the castle coming up that you know uh, Drew may may find a way to win this one, but after watching him and Sheamus over the last few weeks, those two dudes are probably going to tear into each other mid-match and screw it up for one another. Like, I have a feeling this is one of those things where they just beat each other to death and eliminate themselves, you know, put themselves, you know, incapacitate each other, whatever the case may be, which narrows us down to Seth, Sammy, Riddle, and whoever the mystery last person ends up being. Um, Man, I, I don't know. That's tough. Like, as a set, being a mark for Seth, I'm pulling for Seth, obviously. But as I said last episode, Riddle is putting in the work. The only question is, do you pull the trigger on Riddle now? The answer is no. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit oddball here and say that for all the, a lot of the reasons Jason just said, Sami Zayn. I think. Uh, I think Sami Zayn this weekend. Now, I think you very well could do the. Sammy sees the light and actually cashes in on Roman. You don't have to do that right away. You could do that. You know, he could be part of the bloodline and just carrying it around until it expires. Or yeah. I don't know, there's a hundred different ways you could do it. In my world, I'd like to do you do finger poke, poke Superman. You know, poke of doom. You know, do a running start and then huh, poke and knock him down and you know do that. That's my fantasy booking. But, yeah, could we see him hold on to it or, like, keep it in a safe deposit box or something like that and then break it out around WrestleMania time or Royal Rumble time and then Sami Zayn finally stops being a friggin' idiot and goes back to the happy Sami Zayn we all love? There are worse ways worse ways to get out of this. Yeah. So, I, In my world, I book it. He wins it. He runs with the bloodline. You slowly start seeing the descent as the uh, maybe the Usos start questioning his loyalty because he's walking around with his briefcase. Maybe he's rubbing it in a little bit because that's what Sami Zayn does. Sami Zayn rubs it in your face. So, you know, maybe he does some of that. They start getting a little suspicious. There's dissension amongst the ranks. Um, there's, like you said, there's a few different ways you could go with this to make it fun and milk it for two or three months. Yeah. And you got to have at least one segment where Kevin sure. Owens tries to talk some sense into him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta have at least one time where Kevin is like, dude, use yes. the damn briefcase. Come because on. because Kevin Owens' trajectory since uh since WrestleMania just proves he's the voice of reason. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, the dude but, is going absolutely <laughs> ape shit over whether or not Elias and Ezekiel are the same guy. But yeah, let me talk some sense into Sammy Zayn. Yeah, but you gotta have at least one time where he's like, dude, you have the briefcase. Use the damn briefcase. You know. <laughs> All right, Rob. Women's ladder in the ma- uh, women's money in the bank ladder match, if I can say it. Okay, so we have we only have we have, it's only seven. Uh, Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Oscar, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch. And let me just make a note here. Um, this is where they're going to really miss Naomi. Yeah. Because um, Natty's not in the match either. Yeah. So they. Um, so both are oh, quarterbacks. Yeah, and 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 for yeah for spots and for helping people lead the way, you know, because um, you got, you know, um, well, they, I think the two of them are in the most of these matches, and so yeah. um, this is Lacey Evans' first time doing this. 
Um, Alexa Bliss has been in one before, um, and that yeah, and that was very controversial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, this is Liv Morgan's second one. It's gotta uh, be Rodriguez's first. Yes, yeah, her, yeah, her first one. Asuka's been in a couple of them. This is Shotzi's first one also. Um, and they gotta make sure she doesn't kill herself. Um, yeah, Shotzi. Yeah. I predict Shotzi will have a near death experience in this match. Yeah, at, and, the, at courtesy of Ra- Raquel. Yeah, and then and, and, uh, Becky Lynch. Becky's been in a couple of these also. Um, so yeah. this this might be a little raggedy. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, but as, as Shotzi goes off off the top of the ladder through two tables. Hunter's gonna yeah. be watching the TV, and be like, "That's my girl." Uh, yeah. yeah, she. I, I full on expect her to do the uh, the Bubba Ray bump from oh, the top oh, of the yeah. ladder to the outside through a pile of tables. Yeah, she's gonna do. Yeah, I mean, it's like this match was made for her, but at the same time, you're like, "Oh no." Yeah. <laughs> um. Right into the ball pit, pal. Yeah, that's right. But um, as far as winners, um, I think. If Becky doesn't win it, it'll, uh, I think either she wins it or if they want to do the upset thing, Liv Morgan. Um, yeah. I don't see any of those other women winning this. I mean, Alexa is there as a red herring because she won it before. Um, same with Asuka. She's in there. Yeah, another red herring because she won it previously. Um, you know, Lacey's no, not going to win it. Shotzi's not going to win it. And Raquel's not going to None of them are going to win it. Um, so I think either Becky wins it, or if they do the upset thing, it'll be Liv Morgan. And for all of you paranoid people out there, there is not going to be a run-in by the 13-time women's champion. Okay, <laughs> which I mean, I, people are. Yeah, you know, I already saw some people thinking that that might happen. And what, would, what would the point even be? People fan book the dumbest shit. Like to, Especially to when stop. it comes to shoehorn Charlotte. Like, she doesn't want anybody to win that. Thing. I don't know. Yeah. People are dumb. No, but, but, you know, because somebody joked me, kind of suggested, well, well, when she does a Brock Lesnar, uh, y'all don't get mad now. Which Brock yeah. Lesnar did a Brock Lesnar because it was still a mystery um, entrant, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, because, because, like, the last person got taken out. And then, right. But in this case, there are only seven. So normally they have eight in the match. So. But it's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Like, y'all don't. Y'all need to stop. It's not going to happen. She, okay. That's it's just. Uh, although I would laugh hysterically if you know, 15 minutes into the match, the music hit and she came in and booted somebody off the ladder <laughs> and then climbed up and grabbed the briefcase. That would be well, pretty funny. I mean, right, yeah, because the men's match only has seven, and that's including TVD. Seth yeah. Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, almost Sami Zayn, Riddle, and TVD. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, I mean, sometimes they're short on people. I mean, because, look, I've been watching all the old pay-per-views, Money in the Bank pay-per-views, and, like, was it 2012, I think, in one of the matches? They had five people. Yeah. And well, if they would say. stop releasing all their talent, they might have huh. enough people. <laughs> I mean, but, but um, yeah, they got seven here, and... I think that's what it's going to be because, you know, look, if Charlotte was going to come back for this, she probably would have already. Um, if Bailey was going to come back for this, she probably would have already. Um, and, you know, I don't think 
you know, as as much as they've gone public with this stuff with Sasha and Naomi, I don't think either one of them is going to be a surprise entrant for this either. No. No. So we got seven. It's going to be seven. And so I think either either Becky wins it or they want to go for an upset thing. Liv Morgan, I think. Yeah. Jason, who you got? Yeah, it's it's tough. I I, I think Lacey would have a chance because again. One of the things I try to remember is that they don't have them. They have it for a year. But yeah, Lacey's not ready right now. Um, given six months, you could get her ready, and you could change the champion even to cash in on so it's somebody more favorable to get a better reaction. You know, there are a lot of pieces that you can move between then and there. Um, do I think it's going to be someone like Shotzi or Raquel? No, they're just there because they're bodies, um, and they're getting their reps, and that's good. Uh, Oscar could. I don't know. It's too. Uh, wait, has Oscar won it before? She won it uh, when yeah. Becky had to leave. When yeah. Becky announced she was pregnant. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She that's won right. the one at the top of Titan Towers. So yeah. I mean, you could give her an actual Money in the Bank cash in. That could be a. I mean, that could be your first. That could be at least a good reason to why you would repeat someone so so soon. Is like, well, she didn't get the full experience the first time around. Yeah. So, and you could you could definitely get mileage out of m- Miss Money in the Bank, Oscar. Oh, that would be fun. Walk that around fun. with that yeah. with that goddamn briefcase. She'll have it like st- she'll like sticker it with every airport she goes into. Like she's like, you know, it'll be goofy. It'll be amazing. Yeah. So I. I I would probably say if I had to pick somebody, I'd probably say Oscar. I think the betting money would probably go to Becky Lynch, um, which means it'll probably be Shotzi. So there you go. <laughs> Jason just went all over the uh, all over the internet spectrum. Yeah. So uh, head says Becky Lynch. Heart says Oscar. Other than that, I don't even think anybody else really has a shot maybe dark horse live yeah i am going total fanboy here and saying live morgan um that's probably not going to happen but i only say live because you know we've been less than complimentary at times to live morgan on this program um i have done a 180 on her do i think she's upper echelon top tier yet no but the the girls put in the work she's put in the work she's doing awesome in the ring she's given them a compelling personality on tv i would like and again after SummerSlam, if we're not planning on cashing in at SummerSlam, we kind of head into the doldrums so you can take a dark horse like a Liv morgan use that to kind of build her into that next level so i'm going fanboy here and i'm saying Liv morgan i will say this if it ends up being raquel gonzalez me and my friend mark are going to get really mad and we're going to get on twitter and we're going to tweet about it and probably just keep watching like we that's always right. have because that's, that's just right. how we do these things. I think there's zero, zero chance Raquel is going to win that. I expect her to have a good showing because I think yeah. about back to the War Games match, she had a pretty damn fine showing in the War Games match a couple of years ago. So she's custom built for these train wreck type matches. She yeah. had a hell of a, what was it, a last woman standing match with – um. What's her name? Rhea Ripley. Was it a last one in standing? Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 They had a hell of a match. Um, so she's custom built for these train wreck type matches. 
I expect her to have a good showing. I do not expect her to win. That's fair. So, all right, guys, I think that's going to about do it for tonight. We can call the go-home spot here. As usual, I'm going to go around the room and thank the gentleman from the Rob the Genius podcast, the Minister of Truth. Rob, sir, always a pleasure. Oh, and, uh, thank you very much for having me again. And listen, I got to plug something here. Hey, go uh, for it. Okay, because um, this week uh, it'll be out Friday on uh, my, you know, Rob the Genius podcast. I had a, a conversation with uh, Tim Kale. He has uh, with, uh, his own wrestling podcast, the Work of Wrestling podcast. So we talked a bunch of wrestling stuff and some other stuff. Uh, that'll be out Friday, so I'm just going to plug that here. Okay, and that can be found on Anchor.fm, on Spotify. Check it out. Look for the Rob the Genius podcast. And like he said, that'll be out on Friday. And again, Bucky's tag team partner, Jason, sir, good show. Great show, boys. All right. And again, I am your host, DJ. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast on the Chairshot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. We'll talk to you next week.